What's up, guys? Welcome to the Giant Voices Podcast. This episode was really fun. I had on another guest. His name's Steven. I actually know him as Steven Flipmask because that's what he does. He runs a platform called Flipmask. It's an influencer marketing platform that reaches over 275 million followers of branded pages. Steven's worked with everybody from the NBA, TikTok, Pretty Little Thing, Atlantic Records, like biggest companies in the world. But he's probably getting more famous for being a minimalist and having nothing. He's been on podcasts like group chat. He's made headlines with CNN, NPR, and more importantly, Stephen is one of the most interesting people I know. In this episode, we talk a lot about mental health. We talk about resetting. We talk about his year hiatus from social media, and you're not going to want to miss this. I appreciate you guys listening. If you enjoy the episode, definitely subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. It really means a lot to us, and enjoy the show. Do you ever wonder how some podcasts get thousands of new listeners and you don't? Do you wonder how people get featured in major publications? Do you ever wonder how Instagram videos go viral? Welcome to the Giant Voices Podcast, hosted by Carson Jones. Every week we bring you the biggest names in podcasting, marketing, and public relations to help you break through the noise and take your brand to the next level. Oh, and we like to mix in the uncomfortable topics like mental health, anxiety, and the internal battles that keep us from growing. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome back to the Giant Voices Podcast. My name is Carson Jones, host podcast. And on this episode, I actually have on my second guest. His name is Steven Johnson. Uh, Steven's a CEO platform called Flipmass. It's the largest influencer marketing platform in the world reaches over 275 million followers. Um, Steven's worked with worldwide mega brands like the NBA, TikTok, Pretty Little Thing, Atlantic Records, just to name a few. Outside of having the biggest influencer platform in the world, Steven's actually become well-known for owning absolutely nothing. In this episode, he's actually talking to us from his pod that we'll talk about in the show. Recently, he's been featured on popular podcasts like Group Chat and has made national headlines uh, on CNN. Stephen truly is one of the most interesting people that I know and also one of the kindest. I'm excited to share your all story with him and, with, and Stephen, uh, thanks for being on the show. Let's go, Carson. Thank you so much for having me on, man. My man, it's a, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you making the time. So over the last six months, like we really got to know each other pretty well. And, I, you know, we've been in a lot of groups together. You've connected me with a lot of great people. And it's interesting because you've got one of the biggest networks in the world. You know so many influential people, but clout and followings and all the stuff that means so much to so many people doesn't seem like it matters at all to you. Before I met you, you actually had deleted Instagram for an entire year and you almost got this mysterious persona and aura about you. So like, tell me the, the origin story, like going back before all this flip mask stuff, like who, who is Steven Johnson? <laughs> that was big, man. Um, <laughs> I like to think back to when I started in social because I've been going with that for about seven years now. That's sort of like my placeholder in time of where I started with all this. I had Facebook confession pages when I started and I really like got to dabble and got like the light bulb went off. I had these Facebook confession pages and it was for fun. I've always had like little internet things that I've worked on and they've always like broken even or like maybe like made a little bit of money, but none really took off always like pine the sky ideas and just experimenting and this one did we started with a facebook confession page on my campus and that the moment the light bulb went off we have like two three thousand people on the group they would confess anonymously to back then it was like like a survey monkey form and then we had moderators that would upload it anonymously to the facebook page and then 
like two to three thousand people on campus would see it. And I remember sitting in the library. I was a student, 2012, UT San Antonio, and hearing people talk about UT essay confessions, like in the library. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy, because I was anonymous too. No one knew that I was running it. So like to see people like open up the page and talk about it, like in in real life, first like just interacting with them on the page was was really crazy. And then I realized, hey, wait a minute. I've worked with like WordPress before and I've tested AdSense here and there. And so rather than doing SurveyMonkey, I just created a quick WordPress site and it was a submission form and I threw AdSense on it and it started making like a couple dollars. And then I was like, wait a minute, there are like so many other campuses. I don't know the exact number, but I want to say we got close to 50 campuses, all had a couple thousand people in each group and started to make like more than a couple dollars, like a couple hundred dollars. And that's really when the light bulb went off for me, not only like experiencing like the in real life impact, like people talking about it on campus, but then like the AdSense starting to make a little bit of money. It was in no way enough to support myself. And I had just quit a full-time job at a bank. And so I also was like, wait, I'm sort of good at like the social media thing. It's completely intuitive and like natural to me. And I know there, this is 2012, social media was sort of like wishy-washy. No one was really sure on it. And so I was like, well, there are these brands, or not brands, like retail stores, like stores in like my local area that don't have a Facebook page, Twitter page, even a website. And so there was one night where like, I, I basically like, I had to find a way to like make enough income to support myself for the month. And the, the AdSense wasn't going to cut it. That was my fun side project. And so I went and passed out and I still have, I'm going to send you this this flyer <laughs> it's embarrassing and like really humbling and amazing all at the same time but i passed out a flyer that said i will like make your facebook page for you create a, a header a logo run it for you a hundred bucks one time charge so facebook twitter like social media management 100 bucks to me like what if i got like 10 20 people right that's that's my income for the month like i can pay rent car utilities everything else and so I passed out a hundred flyers overnight, stayed up all night, wrote on the back of each one, put it in an envelope, wrote on the back of each one, like, hey, these are the specific to each store. I went to a retail center, hundred flyers, passed them out, said like, hey, y'all could work a little bit on your website. You don't have any social media links on your website and just gave each one individual tips specific to what they needed. And not a single person responded and by whatever you want to call it, what I call it magic. How about that? I, I had also posted a Craigslist and this guy named Larry from Charm and Jewelry, he had originally owned most of like the jewelry keywords on Google. And that was like his success in like bringing the jewelry store to, to web. And he was like, Hey, like, uh, I was early to web and that worked out really well. And I see this whole social thing where people are doing similar things. And so I want to try it out. And so basically Larry covered my cost of living for a couple of months. And I just did like full on full time, like social media management for him. And Around the same time, I noticed a Twitter page, College Fashion, shout out to College Fashion, and right now, I've grown to like about 500,000 followers and was using all the confessions from my Facebook pages. And I was like, wait a minute, like you have way more followers and you're growing way more quickly than me. And so basically, Larry, that, that like full time or part time, but was working full time, like social media gig, like supplemented my income. And then I started to dabble on Twitter. And then there was the same back thing called My Likes. It was going into 2013. Cha-cha. And I start, started to ask people like Peter Francis, who ran like Etienne Tanner, 
on on Twitter and a bunch of other pages and ask these people like I will pay you to like teach me to grow the way that y'all grow. So I learned how to grow on Twitter, grew a page fifty thousand followers, started making a hundred bucks a day on it, and I was like, all right, this is it, I'm all in. Um, and from there on out, let's see, uh, grew tons of pages, learned how to monetize them, built a couple projects off them. Realized that uh, in digital, especially like theme pages, which is where I operate, there's a lot of uh, nefarious activities. There's a lot of like young people, and there's a lot of money, and so scamming happens really often. And so going into 2014, we started Flipmask, which was I'd actually I'd leveraged all my cash and put it into pages, and I had about three thousand dollars left in my PayPal, and I could have cashed that out and covered me like rent and car. Um, and my friend Allison was working with me at the time. But I put it into a page and everyone vouched for this guy and he scammed me. And for a month, I went down a rabbit hole trying to like, I filed a police report. I uh, opened up multiple disputes of PayPal and I never got that money back. So that month of thinking basically started Flipmask, the community. And it was just a, a lot of these theme pages, millions of followers don't, didn't have personal pages. And so we just started out basically vetting um, our friends saying like, hey, I've done good business with these people. Um, we made them make personal profiles and what I started is just a little community of no matter what type of business you're doing on social, it was a safe place to do that business. And from there, it evolved into 2015, 16, a marketplace. They released an iOS app, which was crazy fascinating. We started building a team. My co-founder, Flipmas, we incorporated in 2016 with my co-founder, David, who's also our CTO. And now we're a full-fledged influencer advertising platform. Web, iOS, you name it. I, I love yeah. it. So, like, I've I've obviously only seen the last you know six plus months of, of building Flipmass and what it's what it's turned into, and I, I've seen it grow. You know, even from where it started when we first met. But so I, I want to get to Flipmass, but first I kind of want to back it up to before we met because mm-hmm. you built this company that revolves around Instagram pages, and it's become your full time job. It's become your business, your baby. And then all of a sudden you decide to take a, a year hiatus off of Instagram. Like, what was that like? How, how did you, what was the reason first off? And then what was that like coming back? And how did you continue to grow your business when you're not even on Instagram? So, okay. Uh, so I took my hiatus, let's see, I believe it was 2017 to 2018. Yeah. And it was for two reasons. One was a human reason. Um, like humans don't scale. Like as a human individual, you have like a capacity. There's only so much you can do in a day. And I was doing everything that I possibly could from all hours of the night. I was doing like the entrepreneur grind, hustle lifestyle, and it wasn't sustainable. Two was a me thing. I it, my like strength, greatest strength is my connectedness with people. Like I, I'm genuinely curious and like care about people. But it's also my Achilles heel because I have low bandwidth. So I'm like hyper connecting with people that I need to balance it. I didn't know that in 2017. And so uh, we also built a team. We hired 14 people that year. Um, and so I was managing, juggling like um, our business actually like really like when the marketplace started, it started in Twitter direct messages. And we had a whole process. We had a whole team. And it was in my personal direct messages. And so there was just so much demand. And so many people that I was talking to and hyper-connecting with. And ultimately, um, it was way too much. 14 people in real life, flat hierarchy. Like, we had no managers in our business. Um, and then, like, literally thousands of people online that we're talking to. We, we had about 200 new conversations every single day in my Twitter. And so, I, I burnt out. That's what happened. I 
um, ended up just going completely offline and focusing on the 14 people uh, that we had on our team. And that's how we stayed in business, just those 14 people. That came back early 2018-ish. Wow. That's pretty cool. So it was almost like you you just realized that you needed to scale something that wasn't scalable on your own. Like you, you can't be everywhere at one time. So in, in a way, you were on Instagram. You were just on Instagram through these other 14 people while you were almost, you know, recalibrating your own mind. Does, does that sound right? Yeah. And I was like, I was completely out of touch. I went completely off social, off the internet. Like I literally did not use it other than like to communicate with my team. And so it was sort of cool because the things that were important would bubble to the top. And then it just gave me time to like, I, I went through like a, a dark time for sure, like depression, like not wanting to leave my bed for multiple days. And it, I am so lucky that I was surrounded by people that actually care about me. Like we weren't just like a team of 14 people. We were all friends. And so they would literally like open, like break my door, pull me out of my bed and say, let's go get food. <laughs> um, so I'm just really lucky that like during my dark time, and I know a lot of ex- people experience these dark times. I was surrounded by the right people and they pulled me out and that allowed me to have like a year, like you said, of recalibration. And then I finally came back. Well, and I love that too, because you and I, I don't know why we, we always tend to talk about mental health. Like we talk about meditation we talk about, you know, just being good to yourself. And like, what, what did that do? Like when you came back, was it, it was almost like Michael Jordan going from baseball and then coming back to the NBA. Like, what was that like when you came back? Okay, so here's the thing. I did a lot of things. So that was the first time I like really learned about burnout. I, I, I thought I had experienced burnout before. That was burnout. And I never want to experience it again. So when I came back, I went full-fledged. Not only were was I surrounded by the right people and my friends, we had challenges. So we were doing like 100 push-ups a day challenges, full 30 diet challenge, vegan diet challenge, fasting challenge. And so I actually just went full-fledged and stopped doing everything. I was using nicotine caffeine i mean if you ever get to the point where you're, you don't you can't count the amount of cups of coffee that you drink in a day you gotta correct it <laughs> like if you feel tired and you've had eight cups of coffee there's something wrong and you have to fix that and so i went no caffeine no sugar no gluten no nicotine no alcohol so i came back like as strong as i possibly could and what I learned is that, uh, one, that's really important. I completely avoided burnout and I've been good. Like I set momentum for myself and balance for myself by doing that. It like laid a foundation for me. But I also realized like a couple months down the road, I reintroduced things like nicotine, caffeine, alcohol, and like fast foods, but balance. And I think they're, they're a spice of life. So I think an important part of burnout and like working really hard is just balance and awareness and like knowing when you're off. Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that. It's like talking about vices because if you're not careful, it, it, they can start to control you. And it's almost like doing that vice check to make sure that you're in control of your life as opposed to whatever that vice is. And that vice can be a lot of things. It can be drugs. It can be sex. It can be coffee. It can be nicotine. Like It can be anything. Like That's really interesting because not, not a lot of people think about that or talk about that. But if you let it start to get away from you, it's uh, it's hard to even notice that it's taking over your life. The tools, man. Like, I was literally a perfect human being for six months. Like, I literally, like, to the T, lived, like, I wrote down exactly what I wanted. I worked out every single day, Whole30, every single day, like, did everything perfect. And I realized that that's not human. Like, (laughs) a lot of the fun stuff, like, a lot of happiness comes from imperfection. And balance isn't doing everything perfectly. It's doing a lot of different things 
and like feeling happy. Ultimately, like balance is optimizing for happiness. Advice can be that don't use it as advice. Use it as a tool to like understand things or interact with things differently. But if you let it use you, that's when things go out of it. Yeah, no, I'm really glad we talked about that because I feel like we, we talk about mental health a lot, but it's interesting to bring that up. So it, you almost like completely stripped down your life. And I don't know, you know, like I said, I didn't know you before, so I don't know what your life was like before, but your your brand is almost blowing up. It's funny because you've got this huge brand, you've got this business that's doing amazing things that has, has a huge presence, but your brand is almost blowing up more so for what you don't have. Like your minimalistic lifestyle is what's landing you on the biggest podcast in the world, what's got you on CNN. Hey, was this how you were before? And what what is your minimalistic lifestyle and what makes that appealing to you? Funny how that works. <laughs> so I think the coolest thing, first of all, is like just I'm able to talk about the things that I do. I don't have to project. I don't have to talk about the past. I get to be completely present and say, like, this is what I'm doing right now. And that is like one of the greatest feelings in the world. Um, and it just makes life so much easier and simpler and makes me happier. I think minimalistic lifestyle, uh, I obviously have been asked this question like a million times over the last couple of months, and I've boiled it down to my parents being in real estate, my dad is a mortgage broker, and then they would make real estate investments on the side. And so basically, when I was growing up, they would buy a home, they would fix, we would live in the home, they would fix it up, and they would sell it. And this was basically like a year cycle, almost every year. That was like their, their big thing was they would buy, we'd live in it, fix it up and then moved to the next one after they sold it. And so my mom gave me, always gave me a box and said, keep all the things that are important. <laughs> I'm like, I had to give up a lot of stuff. And this is every single year. And I think a lot of things, a lot of our habits come from childhood. And then that, I think that's one that I picked up. And so when I originally moved to California, I moved out with a big U-Haul. And then uh, I had a partnership fallout fall like 2015 in San Diego. And last minute, I had to move back to Texas. And so I had an, an entire storage unit and I basically, the lady that was there, I literally gave her everything, all of my belongings. And it was just natural to me and it felt right. And I think literally, um, I'm on this year cycle where now like I've given away, like as far as like physical objects, like I've literally given away like everything that I own. And so I don't own anything anymore. And so like on a yearly cycle, it's sort of cool because now I just get to optimize what I own versus like adding or subtracting new things. I just get to take what I have right now and then find like what's better. So an example would be like, I'm wearing an H&M hoodie right now because I'm not sure what jacket. I only have two outfits. They're the exact same. And I like for them to be like the best, obviously, since I only have two. And so I bought an H&M hoodie because it was like one of the cheaper options and I'm going to wear it. And it's similar to what I want to wear. And I'm going to find like some of my favorite brands like Blue Linen and under Armour, I'm going to find whatever hoodie I think is best, but I get to experiment right now and sort of like optimize for, okay, now I've found the hoodie that I want to wear every single day. Um, so <laughs> rather than it. adding and subtracting, it's just optimizing. Yeah, like you want the best version of that one thing, which which is so funny because you, you last time I saw you, how many outfits do you have now? Because last time I, t I saw you, you said you only had two and then two. one pair of gym clothes, right? It's two. Yeah, and one pair of gym clothes. Um, and unfortunately, like, I don't work out a lot. And that's a, a, another, like, decorrecting right now. Uh, because I should have, like, two pairs of gym clothes. Uh, but yeah, my, my daily thing is I've got an Equinox membership. So part of, like, living in pod chairs, uh, like, a bunk bed, um, like, co-living community. And part, uh, me being able to do this, I've been doing this, the, the longest stretch is right now. It's 
five months about to go into six. Um, part of being able to do that for that long is I have things like we were in Equinox. I, I don't just have this. And so with Equinox, this is going to get, I've been called uh, by NPR an affluent homeless. Uh, and the reason why is because I don't have a home and I have Equinox. <laughs> um, and so I show up to Equinox. I have two pairs of the same outfit. Um, I put, I, I show up with the outfit that I have on right now. That's the dirty outfit for the day. I put it in their 24 hour laundry service and I take the fresh one out. Um, and I do that every single day. <laughs> so Equinox has 24 hour laundry service. Basically, you put your clothes in the bag, they wash them, they show up in your office the next morning. And so I'm going to need two outfits. And I, I love it so much. Like, it, it's, it's really interesting to me because, you know, you're surrounded by an entire community, entire world where all it is is Rolexes and flashing cash that, you know, that people took out of the bank and, you know, fronting, taking pictures in front of Lamborghinis. Like, what do, what do you think? Why do, is it, a, is it an ego thing? Like, what, what is it about you that doesn't crave any of those things when it's going, it's going on all around you? Okay. Okay. I can't say that I didn't. Um, 2015, before Flipmaster was like, structured properly and incorporated as a business and like we were all on salary I was just a sole provider and I have like flip mass and mass social and all these different projects and all the income that I made I kept and so I had a year where I went to the club and like got bottle service and like drove nice cars and went to nice places and ate whatever I wanted um, and bought whatever I wanted and that was I, I think that was just a moment for me because I realized like I literally like had everything that I thought that I wanted, but I was like one of the most unhappiest years of my life. And so I think that just gave me a foundation for like optimizing for happiness. And so now I know like what I've already been through that. Like I, I've already experienced that. And I think having money is good. Um, and, um, having experiences are special. Uh, but Every person has a different pie chart, a different formula for what makes me happy. And I know that those things don't make me happy through that experience. Yeah, no, I, I love that. It's, uh, it, it's something interesting to think about because it's going on all around you. But the ability for you to be able to focus probably goes back to, you know, you taking that year off of social media where you're not surrounded by that. Like you're, you're almost you're playing your game as opposed to worrying about what other people are doing. And I, I think that's yes. very fascinating because that's very, very difficult to do, especially in your community and especially in the world we live in. So um, but let's let's talk about Flipmaster. I'm kind of burying the lead. We've talked about it multiple yeah. times. Um, talk to me about the platform. Like, I, obviously, I'm on it. I use it. It's my my secret weapon. Like, I, I tell people that we've got this huge network and burying the lead. Like, hopefully, so my clients don't hear this. So we can, we can keep saying this is our platform. But it really is just an invite-only platform that Stephen has and his team have put together. And it really is the best influencer marketing platform in the world. So tell me, give me the, the one-minute you know, spiel, what is Flipmass and how does it work? Okay, so we are an Instagram influencer advertising platform. You hear influencer marketing a lot. We don't do influencer marketing. Influencer marketing is where you, where you pay a personal influencer to endorse your business product service. They create the content for you. It takes about two to four weeks. Um, and that is influencer marketing. And what we know is influencer marketing. What we do is influencer advertising. So we actually work at this point in time strictly on Instagram, strictly non-personal pages. Think of the world stars of the world. There's thousands and thousands of pages on Instagram that are 
like theme pages. Um, there's sports pages, there's fashion, comedy, etc. that have millions, hundreds of thousands of followers. And so what's so cool is like we have the ability to give them a piece of content. We've got 1,800 pages right now, 100 million followers, and we can give them a piece of content and activate those pages with three hours notice. So we're able to run campaigns rather than on like a two to four week basis on a daily basis with our advertisers. And we're focused on performance. So that means what's the cost per impression? What's the cost per click? The cost per install? Um, and so we have a platform. We, we have ad managers. So think the Facebook ad manager, but with like Instagram influencers, the advertiser signs in, picks all the pages they want to run their posts. They post, uh, they report performance, they get paid. And then the influencers also have their own app. They've had their own app since 2016. And it's just been an iteration from the community to then the marketplace that was influencer to influencer. Um, and to now the, the advertising platform, I think that's what's special about us is, um, influencers have like, if, if their audience has a six second attention span, they have a three second attention span. And so they don't have the like mental capacity to be able to sign up for a million different platforms and just hope and wait that each one brings them a deal. And so, um, something that's special about us is we were an influencer to influencer marketplace. So rather than them waiting for a brand deal or an advertisement, they were doing business amongst themselves and they actually retain themselves. And I think that's what's so special about what we do is um, we don't just have like a database of influencers. They're all active on our platform. I, and I, I love it. It works really well. So explain why, why theme pages as opposed to people, you know, because there's, there's a difference between the two and I guess there's pros and cons of both, but why, why theme pages? And I know you guys have some, pe- there are some people on there, but what's, What's so special about the theme pages as opposed to traditional influencers? So another way to look at this is these are social publishers. In the same way you have mobile publishers, they're apps with a lot of users. You have web publishers, that are, those are websites with a lot of traffic. These are social publishers, pages with a lot of followers. Um, and so if you think back, I like to think historically back to the web. Like 97, you had like DoubleClick, um, right as it got acquired by Google, who's the biggest advertiser in the world. Um, those are all web publishers. Think of the websites that you went to in like 97 to even like now. When's the last time you went on someone's personal website? Like the highest traffic websites are like content aggregators, the sports centers of the world, even world star or like comedy. Like think of e-bombs world or, uh, like, uh, like health. Think of like WebMD. Um, when you're searching on web, you're not typically going to someone's like personal website or portfolio. And social is, uh, it's different, but it, it's bigger in the sense that like there now we have the opportunity to where like you have personal pages that's big for publishers these influencers are publishers right like they're posting they and when you break things down from an advertiser's perspective there is a cost for every eyeball that views their post um and so we we look at it like that um what's important for us is like programmatic so like if you want to display an ad on an app or on a website um you just put what your budget is, the keywords you want to target, and it shows up. So that's why we try to define ourselves in like the influencer advertising category it, as an advertising platform more so than like a marketing platform or influencer marketing. We have the ability to, it's not programmatic yet. It definitely will be in the future, but we have the ability to like scale campaigns based on performance. And that's really important to our advertisers. Yeah, it is pretty cool too. It's like, uh, you almost look like a magician when, you know, you can get six different pages to all post a piece of content at the same time. Like, you know, people are like, how in the world did you coordinate that? So it's, it's a very cool platform. 
Um, moving on. So this is something I've actually talked about a lot recently um, because I, I see this shout out, you know, model getting oversaturated, especially in, in my space, a lot of the business entrepreneur space where people aren't being creative. They're just, you know, they're taking a product, they're throwing up a picture, they're saying, you know, go check out this product. And we've almost become jaded to it to where people are just rejecting that. They're not interacting with it. I've seen 5 million follower pages do a shout out and they're get they're producing 30 followers. And what what is that really worth? Like, what is the key to running a successful shout out, paid ad campaign through an influencer platform? Like what, what's the key to creating success out of a campaign like this? I've got a very definitive answer for you, but real quick, I just want to throw this in here. Web was the same way. If you think back to, I remember being on a website and saying, make money from home, right? Do, do you remember that? Like, when yeah, you oh, of website, course. You get, you get hit with an ad, make money from home. So that was like the 1990s, early 2000s e-com entrepreneur. That's what that I took is. all of those. I took all of those uh, little quizzes too. Like I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. Yeah, it's just the e-commerce entrepreneur being reborn, the course seller being reborn. Um, and so it really sucks because it does saturate things, especially because they get in early and they know how it works. And so they're really doing just like content arbitrage. Like they don't really care what they put out because they know that it's really inexpensive to buy posts from these pages and from influencers. And ultimately, like their goal is to make money. And so it's just arbitrage. Um, I think the most important thing, um, this is judging like over a million dollars in spend on influencer uh 300 different advertisers the most important thing is not your production value it is that your objective aligns with your content so if you need to grow followers your content should do something that communicates to the audience that's seeing it that you want them to follow the page if you want to drive installs your content should communicate to the audience that they need to install the app for whatever reason. And a lot of the times, our core performers, uh, they just create a really, really good piece of content, but it doesn't perform for them. And so I think that is the most important thing. And that doesn't just go with influencer. That's like Facebook ads. Like you could have to be like, you could put a hundred thousand dollars into production value of a Facebook ad. But if it doesn't tell the person or inform them of what they need to do, they're not going to do it. And so I think that that is actually like the key thing lacking from influencer right now is like it's it's fuzzy, it's cool, it's hot, it's hit. And so people are like just put out a piece of content for me. And it could be like completely low production value, it could be completely high production value, but if it's missing that alignment between objective and content, then it's not going to perform. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's like people almost need to be told what to do uh, and people like to be told what to do when it comes to their ads. Like they're, they're not going to go download something or they're not going to go to your site unless you specifically tell them to. Is that, is that more or less what you're, what you're saying? Like, is it in the caption? Is it in the content? Like how, how do you align? Like if you, if, if, a, if somebody comes to you and says, Steven, set up this campaign, you know, what, it, what does that process look like? The process for us, we become, I almost feel like we're like a minimalist startup uh, in the sense that like, we're extremely focused. Um, we don't do, we did, we built an agency. We had, we did strategy. We did content. We realized we're, we are not that. We are an advertising platform. We are a technology company. And so what we do best is distribution. You give us your ad and we display it on the pages. And so something that's tricky for us right now on a really big hurdle is that we're basically having to, similar to like Facebook ads, they have agency partners. Like Facebook isn't going to create your content or give you your strategy. 
you're going to have to hire an agency to do that. And so for people that know what they're doing, great. That's actually like our customer base right now. Is anyone that's already done this on their own, we're a hundred times more efficient. We can do like guaranteed performance campaigns. Um, but that's not everyone. And the majority of people, like they really don't know what they're doing. And so the process for us is introducing them to the right person that can create content for them and can give them a strategy so that then they can go and distribute their ad on these pages. Yeah, no, that's, it's really cool. Cause every time I ask you, you're like, no, like we don't do that anymore. You know, I've asked like, can, can I buy accounts? Can I do this? And I love that you're just so focused on what you really do best. And I think that's why you've been able to scale. So, so what's, uh, what's next? So yesterday I, I said, uh, I was excited that this was a platform where I wanted to get you to talk about it a little bit more, but you released some news, um, on, ins- on your Instagram story about what's next for Flipmass and what's next for you guys. So tell me, uh, tell me what's going on before I let you go. Okay, so, like, we just follow the pulse. Like, we're really simple. Um, like, we find what works, and then we try to, like, repeat and replicate that. <laughs> so, like, that's why we're focused on, like, Instagram and non-personal influencers and, like, theme pages right now is because we noticed most advertisers came back and spent with us again when we when we ran on Instagram versus, like, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, etc. And so, like, I've noticed that there's another wave in influencer marketing of fundraising. It's going to happen. We passed on the last few and just sort of like stuck to our guns and we, we're bootstrapped. We've never raised funding and I see it happening. There's a company right now that's going to fill around $6 million at a $19 million pre-valuation. Influencer fundraising has been really stale the last couple of years. And I think that a lot of venture has been invested into uh, direct consumer, crypto, like industries that are supported by influencers that are dependent on influencer. And so now I think what's going to happen is those investors, when they're putting money into these companies and they say, hey, what are you doing? And where are you seeing success? And everyone's saying influencer. I think it's going to redirect all of us back to another wave of, of influencer fundraising. And this time, we want to be a surfer on that wave. The last couple of times, we sat it out. Um, and so I think as an industry, in the next three to six months, we're going to see a lot of influencer companies raise funding and then for us as a business we've never really been in we've been sort of like all over the place like just trying to figure things out and we're in a spot now where like last month this month and the next month we will have two extra revenue doubled our revenue month over month and so i think we're just going to be in such a sweet spot with influencer fundraising wave beginning and then us with our revenue on the advertiser side starting to take off and us like really feeling like traction and product market fit that this will be the first time, like I've been waiting for this day, this will be the first time that we actually fundraise. So you'll see us fundraise and uh, we're starting conversations now. Probably the next three to six months, you'll see us take part in that next influencer fundraising wave. And I, I can't wait to watch it, Steven. So, well, I uh, before I let you go, tell people where they can find you. you you've almost, you've gone to a minimalist approach back to your Instagram. I, I went to your page and you, you stripped it down to one post, which is a beautiful post. But if you want to get in touch with you, where, where can they find you? Yeah, go find that post. It's a good one. I really care about it. Uh, you can find me on social, anywhere that I'm on social, at Stephen Flipmas, S-D-E-P-H-E-N. That's how you spell my name. Steven spelt so many different ways. Steven Flipmass and then at Flipmass um, on all social platforms at Flipmass.com. Check us out. Hit us up. Say hi. I love it. Well, Steven, thanks again for all the time. I appreciate you coming on and I'll talk to you soon. Say the boys. Come back to LA soon. I'll be, I'll be back soon. See you, brother. Later. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Giant Voices Podcast. 
If you love the show, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review. Also, if you have questions, message us on Instagram at Giants underscore voices or message Carson at Carson Jones.